The plot of the Christmas story reads like this. Based on the humorous writings of author Gene Shepard, this beloved holiday movie follows the wintry exploits of a youngster, Ralphie Parker, who spends most of his time dodging a bully and dreaming of his ideal Christmas gift, a Red Rider air rifle, frequently at odds with his cranky dad but comforted by his doting mother, Ralphie, struggles to make it to Christmas Day with his glasses and his hopes intact. That plot describes the wintry exploits, if not the very lives of a lot of people. When in doubt, there's everybody here this morning wants one thing. Not just for Christmas, you just want one thing. One thing. But there is a bully to be dodged. There are cranky people in your life. There are doting people in your life. And you're trying to make it a Christmas or through life, for that matter, with your glasses or maybe your hopes intact. And sometimes you ask so much for the same thing, that one thing you want over and over and over again, that sitting on God's lap and asking him for it over and over again can feel much like you're sitting on that Santa's lap, and he looks at you with this response, ho, 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 foot in the face and down you go. This morning I just want to share a brief message with you called Early Christmas Gifts Six days from now, I hope and pray that you get that one gift that you want. Most of all, it is sitting underneath your Christmas tree. But God has some early Christmas gifts for you here this morning. Ones that you can open. Do not need to wait. You can open them up this morning. First gift is a freedom from fear. In Luke chapter 2 and verse number 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Those words shone around them were the exact same words Paul, in describing his Damascus Road experience on Acts chapter 26, the Bible says they were terrified. The Greek version of phrase says they were feared greatly, or feared a great fear. Everybody's as scared of something, but we're not all as scared of the same things. We're really not. Survey people, what's your number one fear? You'll have anything from death to public speaking. How many of you fear public speaking more than you do death? Amen. You are preaching next Sunday. God bless you. <laughs> Some fears are easier to cur. You're afraid of heights, don't fly. You're afraid of snakes, stay away from them. There are some fears that are going to come and are inevitable, like the future, like death. Those things are on their way, no matter how much you fear them. But how do you handle these kinds of fears? In Luke 10, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. When he says, do not be afraid, he says those words through the baby in the manger and that he would bring a freedom from fear that would be for every one of us. One is the fear of the future. You know what another definition of the fear of the future is? Worry. Worry. Worry is being afraid of what might happen or what you think is going to happen. And a lot of times what you worry about is going to happen never happens. It never does. Only God knows what's going to happen. He's the only one, but that doesn't keep us from being speculative doesn't keep us from being worried about it all the time. And if we remain worried about something all the time, it's like we're proclaiming that God is smaller than the situation that we're going through and no longer bigger, no longer bigger. The baby in Bethlehem's manger became a man and promised us a fear to be a freedom of fear from the future. 
In Matthew 6.25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, they do not reap, and store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour in his life? Matthew 6.31, So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Jesus, who said, don't worry about tomorrow, is the same God who watches over creation And watches over every one of us. He's the same God. And his birth reminds us of God's love. And God's love frees us from the fear. And gives us confidence that God can take care of our tomorrows. Another fear that we can find freedom from is the fear of death. The fear of death. The fear of death. Death is for many the ultimate fear. What will happen when I close my eyes in this life? And never open them again. What happens if I lose a loved one? What happens? And the anxiety of that can bring such grief. And Jesus met that kind of fear head on. When he arrives at a place where Mary and Martha, two sisters, had lost their brother Lazarus. And he shows up there in Bethany and he's already been dead four days. And Jesus shows up and explains to a very anxious Martha... He offers her the gift of freedom from the fear of death. When he says to her in John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Jesus saying, you don't need to fear death. You don't need to fear death. If you believe in me, death is, death is not the end of life. It's the beginning of everlasting life. In Christ Jesus, on the other side of death's door, Jesus is saying, there I am. There I am, ready to welcome you into a life that never ends. I'm not afraid of death. I can't wait to be with Christ. That settles it. 2 Timothy 1.7 in the King James Version said, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of sound mind. Notice that Paul is not frowning on the emotion of fear. He's frowning on the spirit of fear. Every one of us has an emotion of fear that helps us to navigate through life safely, such as not touching a hot stove. But the emotion of fear is something we possess. A spirit of fear is something that possesses us. And a spirit of fear is something that can keep us from experiencing the presence of God and fulfilling the will he has for our life. The difference between the emotion of fear And the spirit of fear is the difference between taking a dog for a walk. When you take a dog for a walk, that is an animal that is protecting you. Or that dog taking you for a walk, and that animal becomes an animal that is controlling you. General George Patton once said, I have never been within the sound of a gunshot that I wasn't so scared that I had not sweat in the palm of my hands. What Patton is admitting is that I've been overcome by an emotion of fear, but I have not been overcome by a spirit of fear. 
The Apostle Paul tells Timothy that God's not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, sound mind. That word power in the Greek is dunamis, from which we get our word dynamite. Dynamite is chemicals that are certain chemicals that under pressure give off an explosion. So pressure is actually translated into power. And when Paul translates what he's saying to us there, it's when we walk in the spirit, we are not going to fold under pressure. We're going to explode under pressure. We're going to explode in a loving way. We're going to explode in a caring way. We're going to explode and have explosive power in producing and in praying because only God can turn pressure into power. Someone once said, pressure can burst a pipe, but it can also make a diamond. Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Some versions are strength, some versions are power. Of whom shall I be afraid? The next early Christmas gift the Lord wants you to open is a joy of salvation. A psalmist said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Luke 2.10 says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. I love how the Lord can turn great fear into great joy as he does for the shepherds here. Christmas is supposed to be a joyful time. Sometimes it's the least joyful time of the year for some people. And the reason for that is because this deadly virus that we have in this world that is not COVID, that is not Omicron, is not any of that, is just simply called sin. Sin ruins everything. That is the most deadly virus in the world today. It mars everyone's beauty. It takes away everybody's joy. It separates us from God. But for a cure, Lord, send a cure for this dangerous virus. Lord, send a remedy, but for this dangerous virus. And in Christ Jesus, we have our cure. We have our cure. The angel announces that the birth of this baby will, be the, will bring great joy because he will be the cure that we are looking for. He's the one that brings the joy. Matthew one twenty one. she will give birth to a son, you are giving him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I love this quote from Walter B. Knight. He writes, joy is the flag that flies over the castle of our hearts, announcing that the king is in residence today. Lastly, the next early Christmas gift the Lord wants to open is perpetual peace. Perpetual peace. In Luke 2.13, it says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. This was a message of peace to people who have known nothing but war, even in their time. One commentator writes, the Jewish word shalom, or peace, means much more than a truce in the battles of life. It means well-being, health, prosperity, security, soundness, and completeness. It has to do more with the character than circumstances. Life was difficult at that time, just as it is today. Taxes were high, unemployment was high, morals were slipping lower, and the military state was in control. Roman law, Greek philosophy, and even Jewish religion could not meet the needs of men's hearts. Then God sent his son. The angels praised God at creation, and now they praised him at the beginning of a new creation. God's glory that once 
dwelt in a tabernacle and then in the temple had departed because of the nation's sin was now coming to earth in the form of a child born in Bethlehem, Jesus Christ. He was the holy of holies in that manger. He was the holy of holies because Jesus was there. We sing peace or sleep in heavenly peace, but Christmas is often the least peaceable time of the year. But God offers us the gift of peace, the gift of peace with him and the gift of peace within. He offers that. That peace may not necessarily change your circumstances, but it's a calm, a calm that guards your heart and mind through the worst of storms, a contentment that rescues you and delivers you no matter the plenty or the poverty that you're going through. It's a sense that God is in control no matter what happens. It's a kind of peace that's not something you work up. It's not something you earn. It is a gift from God, and it's part of one of his early Christmas gifts that he wants you to have that's all bound and wrapped up in Christ Jesus. I close with a story this morning. There was an elderly woman named Stella Thornhope who was struggling with her first Christmas alone. Her husband had died just months prior from cancer, and now several days before Christmas, she felt terribly alone, so much so that she decided, I'm not going to decorate, I'm not going to do anything for Christmas at all. Late that afternoon, the doorbell rang. There was a delivery boy with a box. He said, Mrs. Thornhope, would you sign here? And as she signed with the paper, she asked, what's in the box? And the young man laughed, opened up the flat, inside was a little puppy. The delivery boy picked up the squirming pup and explained, this is for you, ma'am. He's six years old or six weeks old, and he's completely housebroken. The young puppy began to wiggle in happiness and began his release from captivity by running all around. Who sent this, Mrs. Thornhope asked. The young man set the animal down, handed her an envelope, and said, It's all explained here in this envelope, ma'am. The dog was bought last July while its mother was still pregnant. It was meant to be a Christmas gift to you. And in desperation, she asked, Who sent this puppy? As the young man turned to leave, he answered, Your husband, ma'am. Merry Christmas. She opened up the letter from her husband. He had written it three weeks before he died and left it with the kennel owners to be delivered with the puppy as his last Christmas gift to her. The letter was full of love and encouragement and admonishments to be strong. He vowed he was waiting for the day when she would join him. He had sent her this young animal to keep her company until then. She wiped away the tears, put the letter down, and then remembering the puppy at her feet, she picked up that golden fury fury ball and held it to her neck. Then she looked out the window at the lights that outlined the neighbor's house, and she heard from the radio in the kitchen the strains of joy to the world, the Lord has come. Suddenly, Stella felt the most amazing sensation of peace washing over her. Her heart felt a joy and a wonder greater than the grief and the loneliness. Little fella, she said to the dog, it's just you and me. But you know what? There's a box down in the basement I'll bet you'd like. It's got a little Christmas tree in it and some decorations and some lights. And there's a manger scene down there. Let's go get it. Born in Bethlehem 2,000 plus years ago, our Savior was born in this morning. He offers us 
a freedom from fear, perpetual peace, and an everlasting joy this morning. These are his early Christmas gifts to us. These are what he offers to us this morning, among so many other things. Let's stand together in the house of the Lord this morning.